the mission here is about delivery for patient care. And I think that's in the back of our mind every time we do something. We are also focused on our clinicians and making sure that we can deliver what they need to do their job so that they can be super effective in delivering quality care. Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Jane Moran. Jane's the Chief Information and Digital Officer of Mass General Brigham, a not-for-profit integrated healthcare system that's a national leader in medical research, teaching, and patient care. It earns roughly $19 billion in annual revenue. Jane's been in her role since September of 2021. She's been in a CIO of one sort or another for 22 years, including stints at Unilever and at Thomson Reuters. She also serves on the boards of JP Morgan Europe and JP Morgan Securities. And now for a word from our partner, Codium. The last year has been filled with conversations around generative AI, but are you wondering how to actually get real value today from this revolutionary technology? Codium, spelled C-O-D-E-I-U-M, is an AI-powered tool that is securely personalized to your internal data, making software development teams 20% more productive and often writing over 40% of new code. This clears out time to tackle more problems and multiply your business outcomes. Join a long list of companies from startups to Fortune 500s that have chosen Codium as their internal productivity tool of choice for their software development teams. Reach out at Codium.com. That's C-O-D-E-I-U-M.com. And now for a word from our partner, ASAP, and the company's founder and chief executive officer, Gustavo Sapoznik, whose mission is to build machine learning products to solve some of the world's largest and most difficult problems. Well, Gustavo, take a moment, if you would, and describe ASAP's business. We have a very, very simple mission. Our mission is to end bad customer service. It doesn't just mean the relatively miserable experience that we tend to have as consumers with the enterprises. It's more broad than that. The problem of customer experience, more broadly defined, can be really thought as a three-legged stool. One leg of the stool is the enterprise itself. Another leg of the stool is the customer. And the third leg of the stool is the agent that works for the enterprise. So what's remarkable about this problem is that all three legs um, I can argue, perhaps successfully, are, are very broken. If you are an enterprise, you truly dislike the idea of how much money you have to spend in this domain. So the economic problem for enterprise and how much OPEX is represent is just staggering. For customers, we're all customers of companies, so we understand the frustration. And agents have one of the highest attrition rates of any job type in the world. All of this to say we have this very simple mission of, of ending bad customer service for all of those constituencies. And now on to the interview. Jane, welcome to Technovation. I've been looking forward to speaking with you. Thanks, Peter. My, me too. Thank you very much. No, it's, 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 I'm, I'm so pleased we have a chance to do so. Well, let's begin, if you don't mind, with uh, Mass General Brigham. Can you provide a bit of an overview beyond what I just did uh, as to the, the business you all are in? Well, you really hit on it. It's an academic medical center, and it's it's anchored by two very well-known hospital systems, the Brigham Women's Hospital and Mass General Hospital. And we also have a very strong affiliation with Harvard Medical School. Um, I think what's also very interesting about this organization more holistically is the community hospitals. Uh, it was about a dozen and community practices around the state of Massachusetts and some in New Hampshire. We also have at any given time about 15,000 researchers. 
And that's very unique. Um, we, I think you said we are the largest hospital-based research enterprise in the U.S., and we spend about $2 billion on academic research, academic healthcare research here. So it's a really interesting organization from that perspective, as well as just the diversity of the different healthcare specialties we serve. So we have the most diverse healthcare specialties also in the U.S. Remarkable. And talk a bit about your purview as the Chief Information and Digital Officer of the organization. Yeah, well, you know, this is my first stint in healthcare, but I, I am a patient. So I did have a perspective and a very strong one. It's a very real, um, it's very real to me in terms of my experience in the healthcare system and and really how digital and technology support as a patient through through um healthcare. As a chief information and digital officer, this is a new role for Mass General Brigham. We brought together sort of three big technology organizations to form this new organization, which we call digital. And I love that because we are digital. Um, there's uh, the infrastructure aspect, which would be the networks, et cetera. Um, the, the core system that really runs a hospital system is called the electronic health record, and we use Epic. And then of course, we had a very large data and analytics um, organization, and those three came together. But there are other technologies that run the organization. We have lots of biomedical devices and integrations. So that is um, much of that is being brought into the digital organization to manage. And, you know, just all aspects of what you would think, the device management, conference rooms. And so it's quite a lot. I have a very large organization. Um, it's the largest technology team, I believe, for a healthcare system. We have approximately 1,900 resources on this team um, doing a variety of, of work across the system. And Jane, what was the logic of bringing this all together? You mentioned infrastructure, the core yeah. system, and data and analytics. It sounds as though those were distributed previously, now brought together in your organization. What was the rationale of the combination? And like any any technology organization out there, in a for-profit or a non-for-profit, we were doing a lot of great work across Mass General Brigham, but sometimes in duplicate, triplicate. So you had many different departments trying to achieve the same thing. And it's just, in some regards, better to collect those activities like infrastructure, managing your Wi-Fi, managing administrative systems, bringing those together into common teams. And those teams have common skill sets. So you can better leverage the scale of the organization. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things around healthcare is really kind of two. One is we're all constrained by um, costs. And so it just was not cost efficient to manage this way. The other, especially on the back of the pandemic, is the ability to move at speed. And when you have a very, very diverse technology, it's very complicated, it's harder to move at speed. And when you start to combine these like activities, it makes it much easier. The way that we did that was to focus, and not surprisingly, because this has been sort of my roadmap, Peter, for years and years, um, in my experience, is to, is to build out platforms and to work alongside with many of the technology companies to help us really build out these new capabilities at speed. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about that further. You mentioned the 1900 resources you have on your team and you have this broader ecosystem leveraging integrated yeah. platforms. What's what's the rationale? You mentioned a, a playbook of yours across multiple organizations. Yeah. But what's the benefit of doing so? Um, so first of all, it helps to streamline the technology across the organization. It makes it easier for our community, our users, our patients, our clinicians, our researchers, and our employees. And bringing those like resources to serve things so like a platform, think of a platform as it's a combination of technologies that you can integrate to solve some sort of a business problem. So in healthcare, bringing all, not just the electronic healthcare um, team together, but all the clinical systems. We have 400 other clinical systems at Mass General Brigham and bringing those teams together because they understand the business processes supporting that platform and they understand the technologies and their scale and leverage of working, having those teams work together. We are in the process of working with Cisco, for example, on our infrastructure. So we have a lot of different network capabilities. We're working with Cisco to bring that together and to modernize our state into software-defined networks and going live with an integration partner. And when we bring all those like resources together, there's many benefits. Our hospitals all had different network contracts with lots of different network companies and the technology was all different. That makes it difficult for us to write integrations to those networks because they are federated and different. And when you bring them into a common platform, it just makes it easier to manage and it gives us more resilience in the system. Um, and so we have a number of examples like that. We spent a lot of time, as you will well know, on something called our reference architecture. And that's really just the strategy or the roadmap of figuring out what types of technologies do we feel like would be our would be the future state here for all the different business capabilities. And we're working to build around that. Um, working with these big technology partners like Microsoft, Adobe, Cisco, I mentioned Epic, they have been great partners and we're, we're getting the innovation also from these tech companies. I have an absolutely fantastic team. We're doing lots of learning and we can take advantage of the scale of like a Microsoft that has hundreds of thousands of technologists on board you know, so so I think that's the that's the leverage is that it can't just be on your team. It's it's got to be through partnerships where you really can advance the technology. Yeah, how interesting, Jane. You mentioned this is your first stint in healthcare. It is, yeah. I, believe, I believe, also your first stint at a nonprofit. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder if you could talk a bit about um, any of the nuances of a structure such as the one you find yourself in. Well, first of all, there's a lot of similarities. I, you know, I started out my career building out trading platforms, and then I worked at Thomson Reuters, and then um, I worked at Unilever and Consumer Products Goods. And I think that there's a lot of commonality between those industries and what we're doing in healthcare. From the banking or fintech trading side, the real-time nature of transactions, right? So think about healthcare there can't be anything more required than real-time data transmission in a healthcare organization. It's mission critical. And actually having resilience and backup of those systems is, is, is more important, I would say, in banking. Um, and then 
on the consumer product side, you know, really thinking about our patient at the center and what is the patient experience. And so to me, those were very common. Um, how is it different? I think just the way that healthcare gets funded, especially in the US, lent itself to this very federated environment. So, you know, it was that, and I think a lot of healthcare organizations around the United States are organized in the same way. You know, every department, every hospital system had its own IT department. And I think that needs to change because we need to manage the technology in non-for-profits more like you do in a for-profit organization with the discipline around building out, you know, these collective platforms that can be used by multiple organizations. And so that's what we're on the path to do. Working in healthcare, it, the mission is around the patient. And so what I really, really love is is that different than the motivations of the, some of the companies I've worked for before? Slightly because they're for-profit organizations. And so the mission here is about delivery for patient care. And I think that's in the back of our mind every time we do something. Um, we're also focused on our clinicians and making sure that we can deliver what they need to do their job so that they can be super effective in delivering quality care. And so we really think about those experiences and making those experiences better through digital capabilities. And I will also add that just working in healthcare, people are super nice. Like it's not that they weren't nice in any of the other companies that I was working with, but it's just the attitude around service is Really, I just, I really feel like this is, you know, a great place to be. Oh, I'm so pleased to hear you say that. Mm -hmm. uh, you joined the organization, as I mentioned in the introduction, in September of 21. So in the yeah. throes of the pandemic, certainly. And I wonder if you could talk a bit about uh, the, the pandemic as a catalyst for some of the digital innovation you've begun to describe. So there's something about the pandemic that I think a lot of organizations, not just healthcare, had to adapt at speed. So some of the, the operational processes around, you know, and a lot of technologists will relate to this, writing business cases, getting approvals, figuring out, you know, configuration and all that, you had to actually work at a much different pace because the delivery of some of the capabilities were required immediately. And so I think that what we're trying to do is to adapt now sort of post-pandemic into that more agile way of working and delivery. I think it also, you know, sparked a number of organizations, ours included, in understanding that actually we needed to take advantage of some of the innovations around artificial intelligence, machine learning, some of these advanced types of technologies there was no other way to deliver what we needed to deliver from a technology capability unless we took advantage of some of these newer capabilities. And I think there was a nervousness around, especially in healthcare, to utilize AI and ML at scale, but there's no other way to deliver what we need to deliver unless we take advantage of that. And so to me, that was that ability to pivot. There's a third thing, it's around learning. There has to be constant learning. And one of the things I'm really proud of is we have a work and learn day now within our organization. We implemented it about six months ago. 
one day a month, our entire technology organization takes advantage of a day, eight to 10 hours of just training. Um, we curate classes for folks. We have tech companies come in and teaching us advanced, you know, technologies and innovations and just educating us on the art of the possible. And I think that's super important. Technology is changing at a pace, Peter, that I've never seen in my career. And so really important to for all of us at all levels in the organization to take advantage of the learning. Really fantastic. I appreciate you sharing that that vignette, especially. And and uh, within your answer, you described uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning and its advances. I wonder if you could take a moment to describe some of the use cases and and value you've derived from them. Yeah, I, I'm going to talk about three. The first is around our, we call them our care teams, and we orient around the experiences of the individuals, like I mentioned. Our clinicians, there's a lot of administrative burden. Some of the systems, you'll know as a patient, you can now get into an application or an app and actually type a question to your doctor or your nurse. And that is, that's good, right? Because you feel that you have this communication tool. But the downside of that is clinicians go home at night after their shift and have hundreds of messages to answer. And there's a better way to do that. So we're using AI to help our clinicians answer things that are really straightforward. It could be a prescription renewal or something like that, scheduling an appointment. Using the technology to make it easier for our clinicians to get back to the patients in a more, in a speedier way. The other thing that we're working on is um, we have a pilot running right now where we're using AI, it's, it's called ambient documentation, and it's also called generative AI, and I'll explain it in a minute. Um, we have, we're utilizing an app that um, a, a physician would take into a visit with a patient, and they will record the visit. And the AI takes that transcription, it drafts a three to four paragraph uh, visit note. And then when the clinician goes home or at the end of their shift, when they're summarizing the visit, they can use that as a starter. So they have to edit that, but that gives them, you know, it's, it's just instead of taking notes, and I think the benefit we're seeing, we're hearing great feedback from our clinicians, instead of sitting behind a computer, which you typically see in your doctor's visits, because they want to take notes while they're talking to you, they don't have to do that because it's being recorded. And then at the end of the visit, after the patient leaves, they can they look at the summary, they can edit the summary, and they've got the full transcription there, and that saves them a lot of time. So that's one use case that we're working hard on. The second is around our patient experience, and it's use, using AI to help them schedule visits. And you would think that this is very easy, but it's not very easy. Um, scheduling visits, scheduling follow-up visits, getting specialty visits is actually very complicated in most healthcare systems. So we're using AI to become much more efficient in matching our patients with the right clinician for the right time at the right location that meets the expectation of our patient and our clinician. And um, the third is just on the research side. We're using AI. We, we have, like I mentioned, we have a very large research organization. 
and we're using AI to help them aggregate clinical research and publications. As they're starting their research, they want to find out what other research has been published on a certain subject. So we're using AI to help aggregate that research. We're working with a startup called System, and um, that is proving to be a huge benefit to our organization. And those are just three. We have literally probably hundreds of uses of AI, um, and you'll read about Mass General Brigham, you know, in the research organization itself, lots of, lots of great use cases about using AI to diagnose issues like lung cancer or Alzheimer's disease sooner. And so you'll see that, you know, in all the newspapers, I'm sure your listeners read, that is on our research side. So as as the digital team, we enable all the tooling that allows our doctors, our investigators to actually use that in their day jobs of trying to solve for remediation of disease, I guess is the best way to put it. How interesting. And and, and um, digital research operations is a portion of research that reports through to you. Yes. Is that right, Jane? Is that is that is that the group you're describing in that last part? Yeah, so response? digital research operations, and let me explain, Peter, because it's it's new. We just created it. Like so our researchers, like I said, having so many re researchers on staff, they consume an awful lot of our clinical data, anonymized clinical data for their research and other data, outside data sets, like I mentioned, looking at publications, you know, all kinds of all kinds of data. And so what we realized was we needed to spin up some sort of a digital operations group because our researchers need access to significant compute and they need environments where they can store said data sets. And we have a very rich data set at Mass General Brigham. We have 3 million active patients. We have 14 million patient records. And we're using the technology to anonymize all this data. And so we needed a team that would help our researchers get access to data. And some of it sits with MGB, some of it sits outside of MGB and helping them with the compute on said data. And just the size of the files is, you know, amazing. Um, and, and what our researchers are doing, very technical. And so we, we realized that we needed to do more to help them out so that their jobs, and we're still in the process of forming this operations engine, so it's getting better. Um, but it is, yeah, so this is a new discipline within our organization that we've we've just built out and I and it's and it's showing good signs of really helping our researchers be more efficient and effective. Yeah, fascinating, Jane. And and I I I know one of the interesting things as you've alluded to is the number of constituents you bear in mind as you contemplate improving yeah. experiences from from the care team to patients to researchers to employees. Can you talk a bit about how your team contemplates the very different needs um, or, or perhaps even some of the intersections of those needs and thus the experiences um, of the constituent groups that you you serve? So that was, thank you for asking that because that was one of the biggest changes that we made in our organization in the last two years. Um, we have a CIO, Dr. Adam Landman, and we changed the role of the CIO to be more around delivery within the institutions themselves. 
So I'm a big believer in, I love technology and I love innovation, but technology for what benefits. So we really wanted to focus on the experiences of our constituents. And to do that, we have roughly 800 of our team that every day come to work in one of our institutions and are on the ground. So that is our feedback loop. I firmly believe that you need to see the people using the system and get that feedback so that you know, is it working or is it not working? We also engage a lot with our patients. We're very active in our patient advisory and understanding the needs of our patients. And of course, as a digital team, we're all patients too. So we, we, we collectively use that feedback. Um, so we're, we're organized around the organization and we've aligned ourselves with the senior folks at MGB that um, help manage these disciplines across and we're out in the institutions themselves. We do a lot of work with our chiefs and chairs um, as we call them around the organization. We're out in the world every day. We're talking to folks. I would say our digital leadership team at least one day a week is in a hospital. I'm in a hospital at least one day a week and usually following around one of our clinicians or researchers or employees to understand a little bit more about the pain points that they have in terms of, you know, could technology help what they do every day? I know, Jane, you're also passionate about uh, health equity. And I wonder if you could talk a bit about the topic as well as tactics you put in place to foster it. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for healthcare equity. And we have, and uh, listen, I, I, I just manage, I manage, I don't want to say just, but I manage the technology that supports our health equity organization. So we have a huge organization that reports into our chief medical officer that's devoted to doing health equity, and they're doing some really excellent and exciting work. Um, so some of the things that we do to support health equity, first is, you know, we have some programs we've we've spun up in the last couple of years, we have digital access coordinators. So these are folks that are, again, in our institutions um, and are available also through our call center where they help patients log in or with digital tools to help support their experience. And they also provide translation services and um, we, we also have a huge group around virtual. So we have virtual interpreters and that they can be available via video um, in our hospitals and in our institutions themselves. Um, they can be available. We have online tools for virtual visits so they can be available that, that way as well. Um, we support a number of languages. So we have, we have actual interpreters and we actually have online so we can translate something like 200 plus languages if we need to. Um, we also have like a lot of technology. We're working with a number of great um, providers out there in the world. Epic and Microsoft though, in particular, are helping us support the visually impaired, the hearing impaired. Um, and so we use a lot of technology that way. And the last thing I wanna mention is um, our health equity team has really just gone live with this concept of these equipped um, medical vans that go out into certain neighborhoods that help with wellness visits, et cetera, et cetera. 
and we're supporting the um, the technology behind that and the technology that supports home hospital, which is a new capability where think of a home hospital is what you need to recover, rehabilitate at home. There's quite a bit, and we have visiting nurses, et cetera, but there's a lot of technology that's required. So, um, and I think that that is a direction of travel that we need to lean into because our hospitals across the U.S. are out of beds. And so um, we're working on the technology to support that. And all of that just sort of underpins this whole idea behind health equity. An important topic, Jane. Thank you so much for, for shedding some further yeah. light on the work that you and your team are doing on it. Um, you're also, as I mentioned at the outset, uh, on two different boards within J.P. Morgan, the J.P. Morgan Europe and J.P. Morgan Securities uh, boards. Uh, first of all, how did these opportunities come about, if you don't mind sharing? And what sure. do you see as the advantage of uh, being a technologist on boards generally? I, I've been on the J.P. Morgan board. J.P. Morgan Securities is the corporate investment bank, basically from MIA. And then there is a J.P. Morgan Europe Limited was a subsidiary of that. And so three years ago or three and a half years ago, I went on to that board mostly because they were spinning up Chase UK, which is a digital bank. So I, and I have another year uh, at JP Morgan. Um, I it came up because they were looking. I had, I was at Unilever and I thought having a public board experience would be a good opportunity. And quite honestly, ended up with this role. Um, specifically, they were looking for a female technologist to be on the board, which I thought was interesting. Um, JP Morgan is very forward thinking about gender diversity. And so it was a it was a great opportunity for me. Um, the benefit is really being on the other side of the table, as you know, through my like my career and being a CIO for 20 plus years, I've sat on you know, the other end of the board seat where you're getting interviewed by the board. So honestly, to have that experience, to understand what boards are looking for and the challenge that boards present actually gives you kind of that thinking when you go into a job, really thinking not just about the tactical, but the more strategic of what are you delivering for the organization and why. And I think that I've learned quite a bit over the last number of years through my JP Morgan experiences. It's not about the specific project. It's really honestly about setting up an environment that can be evergreen. One of the things that boards really look for is how do you manage this capability for ongoing, not just the project you're working on, but how do you make it sustainable in an organization? I really feel like that has been a benefit to me and to the institutions that I've worked for since, you know, specifically Unilever and then coming here um, at Mass General Brigham. And certainly, you know, I take that experience and learnings and specifically JP Morgan, they have the money to invest in technology. I've learned also so much from what JP Morgan has led on in terms of technology and innovation. And I've learned from that and been able to bring that to my day job. So it's both a benefit to me and I think a benefit to the institutions that I serve when you have an opportunity to work for and be on a board, that is that is the benefit. Well, Jean, um, very interesting indeed. And thank you for sharing that. Uh, I wonder if you could take a moment also to talk about uh, trends that excite you as you look to the future. What are some things that are starting to make their way onto your roadmap? 
Um, we have so much, um, I mean, trends. I, I think that figuring out how chat GPT fits into your portfolio would be, you know, my number one because everyone's using it. So I would say we, you need to lean into these things because they're so easy to access. The first thing I think about is the governance around some of these things and honestly, keeping, keeping folks safe. I think the other thing that I would be remiss not to mention is cybersecurity. So especially in healthcare and the cost of managing, you know, these platforms and the cost of managing cyber in many institutions is just unaffordable. So I'm going to go back to my original conversation about partnership with the tech companies. We are really working closely with these big tech companies um, to utilize their cybersecurity protocols and solutions that are part of the core platforms to help keep us safe, as well as, you know, working outside of working with other healthcare institutions to discover what they're, they're working on, I think, in cyber is really important for us. Um, I guess the third, so would be around data and analytics. I really feel like in healthcare, that's going to be the unlock. And again, I think there's going to be partnerships out there. I mentioned Microsoft, we're working with them um, and building out a data lake house on Azure for our clinical data. We're about two thirds of the way through. It's going great. But we're also working with two other vendors that are helping us manage our data. One is Snowflake. And the other one is Databricks. And those companies have been fantastic to work with. And so leveraging their technology around managing these big data sets and aggregation of data and partnership within the healthcare community, I think it's going to be essential. So th those would be the three, I think, that are super top of mind, at least today. Yeah, no, chat GPT is really interesting and there's a lot of uses for it. And to be honest, you know, you want to take advantage of these, but you're also with an eye to keeping folks safe and keeping our patients safe. And so that's our, our main priority is allowing folks to use these technologies, but within a framework. Certainly makes sense. Thank you for sharing that perspective as well, Jane. I wanted to ask you also before I let you go, um, uh, you've been a, a chief information officer for more than two decades. You've you've uh, led technology and digital for for large scaled organizations. I mentioned already Thomson Reuters and Unilever, and and of course your current post. As you reflect upon your journey, what what were some of the difference makers along the way that have helped you achieve the heights you have? There's only one, Peter. You're only as good as your team, and I have an absolutely fantastic team. And I should have mentioned that first. So I'm remiss in not, and thank you for prompting me. You have to hire people that are smarter than you. And I have, and they're like absolutely fantastic. You know, I'm very lucky. I have a number of doctors on staff, which believe it or not, you know, this was also new to me. I have folks that are, you know, world-class doctors. And by the way, they have master's degrees or PhDs in computer science. And so I just, I mean, literally was not that kind of student in college. I don't know where these guys came from, but they're all like amazing. We work well as a team. So this is a team sport. This is not about an individual contributor. Um, our team meets every week for at least a couple hours, one day a month. We're together for at least a day, sometimes two. 
And so we really lean into that is working as a team and then working with our partners across the system. I think that we're all, you know, we want to make sure that we're delivering what we need to deliver in terms of just making healthcare delivery better for Mass General Brigham. And so just having those relationships, I think, is the most important thing. But in my career, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the, the teams that, you know, I've worked with. And um, I'm really I'm really grateful for these guys coming to work every day. Well, that's a, a great answer indeed, Jane. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today, sharing your perspectives from across your career, but of course, uh, with uh, specificity around your current post at uh, Mass General Brigham. It's been a great conversation. Thank you so much, Peter. I really enjoyed it.